joining me for another episode of Plugged In, a post-media podcast taking you down Canada's electric vehicle highway. I'm your host, Andrew McCready. As of July 1st of this year, some 75,000 EVs have been sold in Quebec, the most of any province. Ontario is second with approximately 46,000, followed by BC with just over 41,000. I've always found Quebec's strong adoption rate of EVs to be somewhat puzzling, as it is a cold-weather climate for a good part of the year, and one of the challenges of operating an electric vehicle is doing so when the mercury dips. To find out why La Belle Provence is such a hotbed of electric vehicles, my guest today is Daniel Breton, a man with so many accomplishments I'd have to eat into our time talking with him to cover them all, which I don't want to do as his knowledge and expertise in the electric mobility space is something I know you will find very interesting. So here's a quick bio. As a student, in which he studied environment and sustainable carbon management, he worked in a GM assembly plant in St. Therese. He was the first member of the Canadian media to specialize in electric mobility, beginning way back in 2004. He has served as Quebec's environment minister and was the first elected official in Canada in charge of a governmental EV strategy. He's also found the time during all this to write four books dedicated to the electrification of transports and energy transition. A fifth is coming next year. And in March of this year, Daniel was appointed the President and CEO of Electric Mobility Canada, a nonprofit organization dedicated to the advancement of e-mobility to fight climate change and stimulate and support the Canadian economy. Bonjour, Daniel. Bonjour, Daniel. Thank you for joining us today. My pleasure. Now, before we get on to the subject of hand of uh, EVs in Quebec, I'd like to know what is the first electric vehicle you ever drove? Oh, my God. Um, <laughs> well, first hybrid vehicle I ever drove was the one I bought 20 years ago that I still have. That's a Prius, I assume. No, it's a Hyundai Insight. Wow, that's a, that's a classic. It is. It's actually the reason why I'm keeping it. Now, how many miles or kilometers do you have on that? Uh, 275. Wow. So what about electric vehicle? What about the first all-electric? Do you recall? Yes, I do. Uh, it was a uh, modified uh, Toyota Prius back in 2008. So fully electric. Fully electric. And yeah. uh, then I, I tried the, fir- the first Nissan Leaf yeah. and uh, the Tesla Roadster back in 2010, I think. So what were, you, what were your impressions of these vehicles, of an all-electric vehicle, when you first actually drove one? Well, I mean, I really liked it because, uh, you know, you, you have to know that I've been interested in electric vehicles for 45 years. Because I remember when I was in, um, in high school, uh, I was interested in new technologies and people in my family uh, we're working for General Motors, and we we're talking about hydrogen vehicles and electric vehicles back in '74, believe it or not. Yeah. So uh, these are discussions I've been having my whole life. Uh, so that's why I was always following up on what's what was happening and the new technologies. And uh, so uh, to me, it's always been uh, an issue of a lot of interest for me. So now the rest of the world is finally caught up to you. <laughs> Something like that, yeah. <laughs> Okay, on to Quebec. Um, you know, it's it's in the introduction there. I mentioned how Quebec has the most EVs in Canada for sales. It is a colder weather climate, which always kind of it seems like a paradox that that would be the case. Why have Quebecers embraced EVs as they have? Well, when people tell me about the fact that we have cold weather, I remind them about Norway 
And if you look at Norway's number, I mean, I looked at uh, September EV sales. If you look at PHEVs and EVs in September 2020 for Norway, it was 82% of their sales, believe it or not. So we're still really a long way. <laughs> we have a long way to go to reach the, these guys. But for Quebec, uh, I think it has to do with the fact that uh, Hydro-Quebec has had a huge impact on uh, Quebec society as a whole. So uh, there's a lot of pride in Hydro-Quebec and having 99% of our electricity production coming from hydroelectricity and wind power. Uh, and so that's been a source of pride. And uh, I think it had to do a lot uh, with the fact that people would be interested in buying electric vehicles. Another factor, I think, uh, is the fact that um, we're paying a lot. You know, I mean, BC and Quebec are, are paying more for their for their gas, you know, at the pump. And people are kind of fed up of uh, looking at the price of gas going up and down and up and down and up and down. You know, they feel like they're being cheated. So, uh, so when we started to talk about, you know, potential solutions to lower the green gas emission, greenhouse gas emissions, lower the air pollution, but also to be more independent towards oil and gas companies, uh, that's something that really resonated with people in Quebec. Uh, we have had uh, uh, good plans in Quebec towards uh, electric transportation. Uh, for EV adoption. I mean, I actually was the first elected official in Canada responsible for a governmental uh, EV strategy in Canada. So uh, I've been working on that since 2012 on a governmental level. Uh, and uh, we came up with aggressive uh, rebates and uh, a ZAV standard before ever, ever, anyone else in Canada. Uh, and so I think it had to do with all these factors, plus the fact that Hydro-Quebec came up with the circuit électrique, which is a, a network of chargers and fast chargers, which is, you know, the the biggest one in Canada, plus l'AVEC. You know l'AVEC, which is Association des Véhicules Électriques du Québec, which is uh, which is an association of uh, EV owners that decided to, you know, to get together and work uh, to uh, inform people so just to give you an example, last year, LAVEC organized more than 50 events all over Quebec, you know, for people to, to test drive the electric vehicles. We organize uh, uh, EV shows uh, in Saint-Hyacinthe in Montreal in Quebec for people to come and see them. So, so there's a lot yeah, going a lot on. Of, a lot of um, high profile events and things. One of, one of the things where I am in Vancouver, I mean, we have had a good adoption rate, but so much of it is urbanized. So much of it is in Vancouver, Metro Vancouver. Is that is that the case in Quebec where it's Montreal that has most of them and then the fringes have a few or is this kind of network that's been built out allowing and, and creating growth outside Montreal? Actually, uh, the growth is more in the suburbs and in the regions than in downtown areas because of the very simple factor that when you know when you live on the 22nd floor of a high-rise building, it's really harder for you to be to, to find a way to charge your vehicle. So uh, it's a suburban and uh, even a regional thing. Uh, for instance, where I used to live in Saint-Hyacinthe, you know, we're about 50 kilometers east of uh, Montreal. Uh, the, the, the rate per capita of owners of electric vehicles is much higher than in Saint-Hyacinthe than it is in Montreal or Quebec or Laval for that matter. So uh, I think to, to me, uh, 
the two next frontiers are going to be remote areas and downtown areas because when you live downtown as i said it's an issue yeah so so in terms of those remote areas what will i mean what will spur the growth i mean there's the education is one thing um but what what needs to be done to get people out in the you know in in the mountains and and in the farmlands to buy electric vehicles i think it has to do more with education than anything else but also the fact that right now most electric vehicles are not suvs or pickup trucks and a lot of people who live in rural or remote areas buy suvs and pickup trucks more and more uh, each year so uh, as electric suvs and pickup trucks come to market i think there will be uh, there will that there, there will be an impact in the rural and remote areas but i can tell you that it also has a lot to do with the fact that people say, oh, I live in the country, so I cannot have a small car or I cannot, I need an all-wheel drive or I need a bigger truck. And I hear that all the time. And personally, right now, I live in a rural area in uh, like uh, 80 kilometers east of uh, Montreal. So where I live, I mean, these are farmlands and fishermen. And uh, a lot of people tend to think, well, I couldn't, I could never manage having an electric car. And what we did last winter, it was minus 25 when we went to Saguenay. It's about far 450 kilometers from where I live. So we, we went a bunch of electric cars all the way to Saguenay in January to show these people uh, out there in Saguenay that, well, we can travel in the winter. We can do 400 kilometers. We can do 500 kilometers. It's not an issue because there's a network of chargers that's well developed. So, uh, but I mean, it has to do with educating people because a lot of people think, think, well, I could never do travel that far with an electric car, especially in the winter, especially in Canada. Um, how important do you think the Quebec government's EV, EV rebate program is to the, to the growth, to the adoption rate? Oh, it is very important because uh, when you look at what happened in Ontario, when they stopped the rebate, you know, all of a sudden, I mean, the sales went way down really quickly. So it it has an effect, that's for sure. Education also has an effect. The fact that now there is a federal rebate, which is also a good incentive, uh, but education is key. Uh, if people don't drive them, they don't test them, they don't, you know, and uh, I mean, having started... Myself, since I started to talk about hybrid and electric vehicles 15, 16, 17 years ago, I remember at first I was pretty much the only one who talked about it. And then some people started to talk about it. And now that it's becoming more, more popular, we have more and more info, but we have more and more fake news. That's be, let me put it that way regarding EVs. So uh, people are getting mixed up with all these contradictory messages in the news and in social media because they don't know to believe. So it's very important for us to give the right information. Are there other policies that have kind of, I mean, you having spent time in government, um, other policies around EVs in Quebec that have helped apart from the rebates? Oh, yeah. Uh, the, the law for uh, infrastructure planning in Quebec has made a big difference for Hydro-Quebec because now uh, they are uh, self-sufficient. So Hydro-Quebec doesn't have to wait for subsidies it's they, they take the amount of money that people, you know, they can calculate the amount of money that people spend charging their cars at home. And that money is put into a fund, which will be uh, taken to install fast chargers all over Quebec. So that's very important. And and obviously we're seeing big companies. I mean, they don't call themselves oil companies now. They call themselves energy companies, but like Petro Canada getting involved with 
chargers. So we're, we're kind of hitting a point where I won't say we can never have enough chargers, but it's getting to a point where it's getting filled in nicely that, you know, it will work. Yes. And uh, if you add, you know, like uh, others like flows and charge point and green lots and, and others, uh, I think that it's becoming more and more interesting. And uh, I remember a few years back when I, you know, I traveled to Toronto and to Detroit and to New York and to Florida. I mean, uh, you had to be adventurous a few years ago when you traveled in an electric car because the cars had less range and you had less chargers. Right. But nowadays it's becoming, it's becoming quite easy, actually. You know, to travel all over Canada or even in the U.S. One thing that's been an issue with um, some of the listeners I have in Vancouver is is supply of EVs. You know, um, famously the Volkswagen E Golf, which everybody seemed to want, you couldn't get. Yeah, are you experiencing that in Quebec? I mean, are you hearing that from the the consumers saying, "Well, I want the, you know, I want this one, but I can't get it." So they they end up saying, "Well, maybe the next EV, uh, well, the next car I buy will be an EV, but right now I'll buy a plug-in or something." It's, it's really frustrating. Uh, it's the same thing in Quebec. And it's even worse when you're outside of Quebec or BC because in other provinces where there are no ZEF standards, I mean, I mean, there are so rare in dealerships. And uh, it's a real problem because when you are a salesperson who wants to sell an electric vehicle and you know that if a person comes in and that person needs to change his car because let's say uh, the rental is due uh, by the end of the month or so, um, well, the guy says, well, you're going to have to wait six months or nine months or a year before you get your new electric car. Uh, so first issue is the person cannot really wait for that long. The other issue is that the salesperson will be paid when he deliver or she delivers the vehicle. Mm-hmm. So if she wants to get a paycheck, she'll try and sell something that's on the lot. So it's a real dilemma for these people. Yeah. Well, hopefully in the coming years, as we're seeing all these manufacturers kind of start bringing a lot more vehicles, we're, we're not going to have that problem. I'll be honest with you. I think that we're going to have to have a ZEV standard on a federal level because otherwise uh, there's going to be areas where, where there will never be any electric vehicles for, for years and years to come. I think it's going to be a real issue. So so what the ZEV standard means is, is, is a percentage of your, your sales need to be a, a, a battery vehicle, a zero emission vehicle. Exactly. So, uh, so there is a ZEV standard that right now in BC. There's one in Quebec. There are one. There are ZEV standards in California and uh, about ten other states in the U.S. Meaning that the car manufacturer have to sell more and more electric vehicles or plug-in hybrid vehicles to meet the criteria of the government. Otherwise, they have a, a fee to pay, or they can, or can, they, or they can buy credits from other car manufacturers that sell more EVs. Let's move on from Quebec and talk about your, a role that you took over in March, and that would be uh, President and CEO of, of Electric Mobility Canada. I think people who are in the space of EVs know this organization and the great work you do, but maybe just tell uh, the listeners um, you know, what role you guys are playing in the country's EV revolution. Well, uh, the role of EMC, Electric Mobility Canada, is quite clear, is to accelerate electric mobility wherever we can. So it's not just about cars, it's about trucks, it's about buses, it's about trains, boats, and even planes, you know. So so this this is our expertise. We have 215 members that range from utilities to vehicle manufacturers to fleet managers to unions to EV owners association, environmental groups. And altogether, uh, we work in finding ways to 
to educate consumers, to talk to governments, whether it's the BC government, the Ontario government, the Alberta government, Quebec, Nova Scotia, uh, wherever. Uh, we talk to many cities. We have cities who are members of EMC. We organize conferences. We, uh, we write reports. Uh, and, uh, and we think about the future of electric mobility because, I mean, since this is a work in progress, uh, we are trying to find new ways for Canadians to, to find jobs in electric mobility. And uh, we've been, I've been talking for 15 years, believe it or not, to the people in the federal government about uh, a Canadian EV industry strategy. And uh, we are now starting to talk about it on the federal level. We've been talking about it for, what, a month or two now? So uh, I'm really happy about that. Uh, Minister Baines has talked about it. Uh, Prime Minister Trudeau has talked about it. And a lot, I mean, this is becoming the buzz in Ottawa to talk about creating jobs for Canadians in the electric mobility industry. Uh, we are seeing announcement, you know, from Ford and from uh, Chrysler and from others. So uh, I think that EMC is going to play a central role in helping uh, governments and companies uh, make that shift and transition towards jobs in electric mobility. And I think uh, it's going to be a very good for the environment as well as for our jobs, the future of our jobs. So in your estimation, where is Canada in terms of um EV adoption or 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 EV um, strategy compared to other countries. Are we are are we in the top ten percent? Are we lagging? I mean, what? Oh yeah, we're lagging. We're lagging because we don't have a strategy right now, and uh, we've had discussions over the past six, seven, eight months with people in government. Uh, we've talked to uh, people at Unifor, you know, the the union, the auto workers union, and uh, we said to them, uh, well, now it's time for an EV strategy, for an EV industry strategy, because otherwise, now that Europe is is uh, getting one, now that Korea has one, China has one, uh, if we don't move ahead and have one, we don't, we won't have an auto industry in ten years from now in Canada. So, uh, so the, this this is a hot topic right now, and this is why uh, a good part of our conference, which will happen November nine and ten. Uh, virtually, uh, will be dedicated especially to a Canadian EV industry strategy. You know, given the breadth of experience you have from government to the private sector and things, you seem like the, the, an ideal guy to, to, to be heading up Electric Mobility Canada right now. Is it, is it a role that you're relishing? I mean, does it, do you get the sense that everything you've worked towards has come to this position? Absolutely. You're absolutely right. Uh, because uh, I felt at one point that I, I had done everything that I could do in Quebec and I wanted to to work and do the same things that I had done in Quebec and the rest of Canada. And uh, and I love it. I love the job. I, I love the people I work with from BC to Nova Scotia. And uh, I'm getting to know, uh, you know, uh, not new, not new uh, regions because I've traveled all over Canada many times, but I'm new people, new companies, and it's really, uh, it's a great challenge. Uh, even though I started right in the middle of the pandemic between us, which was a bit surreal, but uh, but I, it's it's a great challenge. And the timing is amazing because right now that the, the Canadian government and the Ontario government and, you know, the BC government, everyone is, you know, is seeing the interest of the, the development of EVs in Canada. I think, uh, no, no, great timing, great Right, great time to be at the head of EMC. And and now a question. Uh, I won't say it's a shameless plug, but I'd like to know what the book you're writing is um, going to be about that comes out next year. Uh, yeah, well, actually, it, the book was supposed to be out. It was supposed to be published in May. Because of COVID, we had to postpone it. 
and uh, it was supposed to be written French only, but I think we will have uh, an English version coming out and it's going to be a three-part book. So the first part is the ABC of electric vehicles uh, with a lexicon and everything to explain to people who don't know electric vehicles because now that we've passed uh, uh, the early adopters stage and now we're going to general public, so we have we want to explain to these people, you know, what is uh, J1772 and what is a fast charger, what is, uh, you know, all these SOH, SOC, you know, that people have no clue what we're talking about when we say this. Uh, and uh, and the second part is about uh, test driving the, you know, the partially or fully electric vehicles and giving a report on them from uh, an EV enthusiast point of view. So I've tested everything in the past 17, 18 years that, that that's partially or fully electric. Uh, and I work with uh, physicists and uh, environmentalists on bo on that. We talk about health in the third part, and we talk about the future of electric vehicles and electromobility in the third part. So I call I call it you know the first part is for beginners, and the last part is for experts. You know, it's like uh, when you go to the mountain. Well, I'm I'm not I'm showing that I'm not a, a true Canadian here because I can't speak, I can't read French. I mean, I could probably, it would take me about a year to read your book. So I hope it comes in English too, because that sounds, sounds fascinating. I'm going to work very hard for the book to be published in English as well. Okay. Last question for you here. Um, we always hear this thing about a tipping point when it comes to electric vehicles, right? What is the tipping point? Have we reached the tipping point? Have we reached the tipping point? No, we have. Now, what will it be? What What in your mind is the metric that indicates we have hit a tipping point? Uh, that's a very good question. The thing is, uh, let's say that uh, because, I mean, we're not going to be able to have rebates, you know, uh, 10 years from now. I don't think it's going to happen. So the tipping point, I think, will be when uh, the price of an electric vehicle will be pretty much at par with the price of a gas vehicle. And I'm, I'm, I mean, from a purchase point of view, because you, we, you know as well as I do that when people calculate the total cost of ownership, in the end, electric vehicles most of the time for one category, they will be cheaper than gas vehicles. But people don't think that way. They don't. They're not. They haven't learned to think about that. You know, the price of gas, the price of maintenance, the price of insurance. Uh, you know, uh, resale value. But once we get there, and we are getting there, that the price, the, 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 the entry price of an electric vehicle is pretty much at par with that of a gas vehicle, I think that will be the tipping point. But if we don't have any uh, electric vehicles available, it's not going to be of any help. So if we have to have EVs available at dealers, at your, you know, your dealer in your village, in your city, because otherwise uh, it's just going to be... Uh, it's just going to be an illusion. Uh, I've been talking about that for many, many years. And uh, all the, the car manufacturers have told me we don't need a ZEF standard because if there is demand, we will make sure that there's enough cars uh, to be sold. And, uh, well, it's wrong. It, I mean, it's it's false. It hasn't happened. So if we don't force things, if we don't come up with a ZEF standard, I don't think I think it's still going to be an issue because the EVs, are going to be sent where there are ZEF standards, let's say in Europe or China or elsewhere, before they come to Canada. Well, Mercedes Daniel, uh, really appreciate you sharing your knowledge with our listeners today. My pleasure. Hope you enjoyed that talk with Daniel, who clearly is one of the most experienced and knowledgeable EV experts in the country. 
and considering he owns a first-generation Honda Insight, he's one of the coolest too. That's it for this episode. Thanks to my guest, Danielle Breton, producer extraordinaire Dar McWana, and you for joining me on another electrifying journey down the EV highway. We always welcome your comments and criticisms via email at pluggedin at postmedia.com. For your daily dose of automotive news, views, and reviews, be sure to check out driving.ca. And be sure to subscribe to Plugged In wherever you listen to your favorite podcasts. That way you'll never miss an episode and you'll also be able to listen to all the episodes from seasons one and two.